0: Everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, we talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors, and how incorporating all of those things into your life will simply make your life better, <laughs> happier, healthier, more successful. It's just things that I've noticed in people that live happier, healthier, and successful lives. And I want to share my journey with you, but also have you incorporate those things as well into your life and just kind of come up with some ideas between the people that I speak with and maybe some ideas that I share as well on my Wednesday wakeups um whatever it is I just want you to to have a better life. So today I have a special treat for you. I spoke with Coda, so Knights of the Apex, and it's AJ. He's out in Florida. Awesome guy. Came across his content on Instagram and love what he does with archery but also giving back to veteran communities and other communities that are well-deserving of what we can give to them because they've given so much. So um, before we get into that conversation, I do want to share just a couple of show sponsors and affiliates that that I work with, companies that I work with. First off, of course, First Form and First Form Outdoors. If you haven't gone and checked out the First Form Outdoors page, definitely go do so. There's lots of giveaways, awesome people that you can meet there, that you can follow, whether it be in the hunting community, backpacking, fishing, It's all outdoors incorporated, just that branch of First Form, and I love if you need a supplement such as a multivitamin, fish oil, if you need a protein powder because you're lacking in protein, whatever it may be uh, that you need, a greens formula is also one of my go-tos. A good protein bar, now that we are in the backpacking, camping, and getting into getting our stuff prepped for hunting season, uh, go check out First Form, use the link down below, get free shipping. Uh, also, if you've got an itchy beard <laughs> or a beard of any length, go check out Affect Beard. Affectbeard.com or Affect Beard Oil. Uh, the links are down below as well. Save 10% and also give 10% of your purchase to charity. Uh, it's an awesome deal. Locally sourced, smells amazing, it gets rid of the itch, uh, it helps your beard, whatever length of beard you have. I also work with Absolute Aid. Absolute Aid is a CBD chewable company. They also have a, a rub-on uh, formula, but I prefer the chewables. I don't do a lot of the, the rub-on lotion, but I've heard it does amazing things. I haven't used it yet, but the Relief formula uh, is what I use for my recovery on after days that I've had a hard lifting session or whatever it may be. I might be a little bit more sore. It helps take the edge off, get rid of that soreness. Uh, go check out Absolute Aid. Save some money down in the links below. And, of course, alpenfuel.com. Again, guys, you know I love the outdoors. So, getting into backpacking, camping, hunting, don't tear your gut up with the stuff that you buy at Walmart. Everyone's been there. It sucks. Don't do it. Get better tasting, better quality, and just better feeling in your gut food with alpenfuel.com. So, alpenfuel itself, they make the best hands down granola that I've ever had. Uh, my favorites the white chocolate cranberry. But... We've also got uh, a bunch of other flavors in there. The caramel apple is one of my favorites as well, and the chocolate strawberry, but they have a couple others as well. You can also purchase, if you want meals other than granola, Heather's Choice is all gluten-free. For me, that speaks volumes. It's hard to find a good meal that's gluten-free for backpacking, Uh, but Heather's Choice, their meals are amazing, and also Peak Refuel. They have a couple of gluten-free options for those of you that are gluten-free. If you're not, I've heard some of their other meals are amazing. Go check them out. Again, you can buy all of that on OpenFuel.com. Save some money using the discount down below. Okay? All right. Uh, Without further ado, guys, I'm going to give you this awesome conversation I had with AJ and Knights of the Apex. And I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed making it. Here we go. All right. I've got an awesome guest here. His name is AJ or also Knights of the apex, right? Knights, plural. And we'll get into why that's plural maybe <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but AJ, I came across his content on YouTube. He's a great, uh, bow reviewer. He's an archer. He loves everything to do with bows. Um, he loves to tinker all the things that I talk about, uh, in, in, my stuff. And so I've just loved learning from him, hearing his perspective on different bows and, and what he does as far as hunting his backpack setup, all that the gear nerdiness that I go off on. Um, but AJ, give us a little bit more about who
1: you are, maybe how you got into to being so much about boats. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jonathan. Yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up in a family of, of hunters, and my dad and my uncle were big bow hunters. And that's kind of what I tended to gravitate more towards was, uh, I just liked their, their whole process and ethos and getting closer to the animals. So, uh, you know, I took as most people do, I went to college and had a little bit of a break and then got into bow hunting again afterwards. But, uh, nights of the apex and why it's nights of the apex kind of came about just because, uh, a couple of years ago, I was just getting frustrated. I was always that guy where like, once I had my setup, like ready out of the shop, uh, nobody could touch it. i was always afraid to like mess something up. I'd get into the woods and see something was off and like be paranoid for my entire sit for the rest of the day. Uh, And I'm not one of those guys that spends 300 days of the year out in the the backcountry, right? Like I get, I'll I'll hunt throughout the year, but if you add it all up, you're talking about I'm lucky if I get two weeks of, you know, cumulative hunting days in. So making sure my stuff is dialed and put together and and just squared away is really important to me. Uh, So I wanted a way to just kind of share that journey. And I started doing that on social media and found that I just, uh, I really actually it took a lot of joy out of taking photos and sharing what was going on from kind of just an average guy perspective. And through that, the, my photography has uh, gotten a lot better than my archery has, but I've been trying to share both of them as much as possible. And over time, it just uh, started building relationships and friendships at different companies and uh, throughout the industry. And it's been really cool getting to connect with people literally around the world um, through through this thing that we call bow hunting and, and social media. And uh, yeah, so I, the whole reason, the only reason it's, there's like a brand, is because I didn't want to be the face of this whole thing. So uh, it means a lot to me when you know people find out like what my page is, and they're like, "Oh, I love your page," but they don't know who I look like. I'm like, "Okay, good. That was that's kind of what I was shooting for. I, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to be the the face of the page. I just I want the." the gear and it to be entertaining and educational and uh, point people towards the resources in this industry. Cause there's, we're so fortunate now. Um, whereas a couple of years ago, it was hard to find good information. Not so long ago.
0: I, I agree with that hundred percent. I, uh, I just barely got into bow hunting. Uh, was it 2020 um, when I first purchased a bow and my buddy had been messing with me a little bit and kept saying, you know, you're going to love it. And like, you're going to love the whole fitness aspect you're going to love the the technicality of it. Like you're just going to love all that. And I think that's kind of why I hesitated to get into it. Cause I knew I I'm one of those people that's all in or I'm not. And so um, I, I do appreciate the fact that you keep things so simple down to earth. Um, and kind of, we were talking beforehand, but you don't, you don't come off as someone who is biased. Um, you know, you obviously have your preferences and you let people know that, but you give good reasoning behind it. It's not because you're getting a paycheck or anything like that. It's because you're, you're genuinely, you know, you like the products that you use. And, and that's something that for me, as I was going through my journey, um, just getting into it, like I, I came across a couple of people that I really, they kind of stood out to me and um, you know, I've had Braxton on or Haxon Hunt. Um, I came across your page. Uh, Elk shape is another one. And, uh, and those were some of the ones that kind of stood out to me and the reviews that I followed as far as when I was, when I was checking out my gear. So I appreciate that, that kind of unbiased uh, aspect of it. Now you're based out of Florida, right? Yeah, I am. Yep. What part of Florida? Tampa. Tampa. Okay.
1: So my Terrible dad's down hunting in this area. <laughs> ter- really?
0: <What laughs> oh, about it's alligators?
1: Torturing. So I, I <laughs> well, so I grew up, I grew up in New York hunting, uh, the Catskills, uh, and that's still, that's where my family is. And well, my, most of my family lives on the Island, but, uh, we have, uh, my grandparents have, uh, uh some property in upstate New York. So that's still where uh, we usually do a trip every year to like Ohio, Kansas, but then most of our hunting uh, is done up there on kind of the family hunting grounds, but we'll hunt hogs and stuff at, at our buddy's place. Uh, We've got a a buddy's ranch that we'll, we'll do some, um, some hunting on, but, uh, but yeah, Florida hunting is rough. it's, (laughs) Super hot, gross. You get eaten alive by mosquitoes. There's uh, there's nothing sexy about it. There's a reason you don't see a whole lot of uh, TV shows and YouTube channels dedicated to Florida hunting. It's <laughs> it's,
0: That's awesome. it's rough. My my dad's told me a couple of times that he hasn't seen because we're from North Carolina. He's from Kentucky, mm-hmm. um, but I grew up in North Carolina, and uh, and so you know, there's white tail, there's turkeys, there's there's hogs. Um, but he's now he's down in kind of the central part of the peninsula there in Florida. And he's like, I haven't seen this much wildlife just driving down the road and them looking at me and any other state that I've been in. He's like, there's everything from turkeys that he ran over an alligator the other day, (laughs) like, you know, just crap like that. And, uh. And he's he's like you need to come down here and shoot something. So I don't know. You're telling me I shouldn't.
1: <laughs> no, listen. You should definitely do it. Just be ready for that window right before daylight and right right before du- uh uh yeah. day dusk. It's uh yeah you you're gonna you're gonna go crazy with the buzzing in, in your ears. But uh but no, it is fun. It's definitely a different challenge. Um, it's kind of cool because like the whitetails here. I mean a hundred and. 20 130 inch whitetail here looks like 150 inch whitetail anywhere else cuz the bodies are so small um, but it's it's definitely different hunting at least in the areas I've been in cuz like you don't like where where we've hunted you don't get like a whole lot of uh, scrapes and things that like I would I'm used to kind of looking for and posting up over especially in the northeast there's just not that's those same sort of signs um you kind of you kind of looking at the land and being like okay where I'm hunting this year Uh, At least for us, it's like, where are the dry spots, where are the feed, where's their, their cover is everywhere. So um, what are those other avenues that they're probably going to be hitting hard? Cause it can be, depending on how much water we get that year, it can be really hard to tell like where they're moving. Um, So it's kind of, you got to really know the area that you're hunting in, but it's fun. It's definitely made me a better hunter and uh, yeah, you get, you get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's for sure. So sitting in the stand in November in New York and Ohio is a lot easier after uh, getting eaten alive in August, September in, in Florida. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The camo, the camo can keep the eyes off you, but it can't keep the mosquitoes off you. That's for sure. No, no.
0: I, uh, It's crazy because you mentioned the bugs, you know, going from North Carolina out here to Utah. The first night I stayed out, like actually camping, it kind of freaked me out how quiet it is. Yeah. Cause like in North Carolina, it was cicadas, crickets, yep. bullfrogs, like everything you can think of. And out here, you, you know, the, the sun goes down and there's nothing. And if you do hear something, you're kind of like, oh crap, what was that? <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, uh, yes.
0: <laughs> Whereas, you know, and then I go back up to North Carolina and we're at a, you know, we're at a lake with the family and I'll just sit out on the back porch and just listen to, to all the cicadas. And obviously they're not in my ear, but um, you know, it's definitely a different, it's a whole different atmosphere. That's for sure. Um, For sure. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit more, um, cause you, you're not a, you don't post a lot more than gear. Okay. So I kind of wanted to get to know you a little bit more as to who you are. I understand maybe you don't want your face uh, to be associated with it, which I did just recently, you know, figure out what your face looks like. <laughs> so kind of kudos to you there. Um, but I did want, I did want to ask you, you know, you're obviously you go out to tack, you go out West, you're not gassed, you look like you're in pretty good shape. Do you have a, any sort of training regimen? Do you enjoy going to the gym? Do you hike a lot? What's your, what's that look for you?
1: Yeah, that's actually, it's funny that you say because I'm, you know, I'm definitely, uh fitness is something that's like a really big passion of mine, but I don't talk about it a lot because I'm just, I'm not that guy. Like I don't see myself as that resource, Uh, but I'm doing something every single day. I grew up in a, a, a family where like we really prioritize fitness. My dad was a a professional bodybuilder. So I was going to the gym with him and, um, growing up, I think that was super beneficial because I learned how to lift weights the right way with proper form and things like that. So from like, uh, when you're younger, especially, right. You want to like, you want to look good, right? Like you want to be impressive at the beach. So I think it was important back then to like, you know, get the aesthetically where you wanted to get to. And then as I've gotten older, I've realized that that muscle doesn't translate into performance. Um, so like the last, uh, four or five years, I've transitioned a lot from like doing kind of your whole like bench curl exercises only at the at the gym to I started working out of my house using kettlebells, sandbags, uh, real minimalist type setups. And then over the last year, actually, I've been doing um, jujitsu quite a bit. So that's been helping me out with cardio, whereas before, um, you know, kettlebells and things like that were great for like hit. But um, it would definitely if I wasn't running, I would definitely feel it more when I would go out to tack and things like that um and just you know you're anybody can sprint but it's your recovery time after the sprint that i noticed wasn't as quick um which that's the important thing as a hunter not that i hunt out west but it's an important thing as a hunter getting that heart rate down and being able to control that and i actually found um you know so jiu has been great for me because i supplement that still with uh the kettlebell exercises and, and body weight stuff and, and lifting and things like that but Um, When you really break down jujitsu from like a a fundamental exercise perspective, you're doing 20, 30, sometimes 40 minutes of slow kind of cardio burn, right? And then you're doing anywhere from a half hour to an hour, depending on the class of basically hit training, all out hit training, where you're doing five, six minute rolls uh, and you're, you're going all out against an opponent and then you get a minute break and then you're doing that again. Um, So for me, I like right now, I feel like I'm in the my shoulders would beg to differ. But otherwise, I'm in the best shape that I've been. And I mean, I'm 32. So I'm not the youngest, but I'm not the oldest guy either. But uh, yeah, that's been my regiment. Um, And, uh, you know, definitely supplementing uh, has become a lot more important. I've noticed for recovery, just the, the older I get, I grew up doing a lot of construction that was a family business was was framing houses. So even though, I work behind a desk for my nine to five, Um, you know, there's, there's, I feel a little bit more mileage than uh, I probably should. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was a a tangent, but
0: (laughs) no, I love it, man. I I really do. I could talk fitness, which is one of the, you know, the, the three main things that I talk about all the time is, you know, faith and family fitness and the outdoors, they all correlate. And I feel like if we all apply those things to our lives, we can all live happier, more successful lives. It's just, it's more. a simple formula. It's not easy and fitness isn't easy, but it's interesting to me that you bring up jujitsu and minimalist training, uh, because I, I too grew up similar to where my dad, you know, in football, baseball, you kind of lift normal, right? You want to get strong. You want to look good. And I think a lot of guys and, and probably women as well, um, feel the same way. They want to look good at first. That's kind of the first motivation. And then as you hit around your thirties, you're like, I want to move better. You know, yeah. I don't want to just have because I'm noticing, and I've been having to go to the chiropractor and uh, and get readjusted and stuff. That I am so tight from all mm-hmm. of that lifting. Like I'm in the gym five to six days a week, and then when I'm not, I'm on the mountain. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've got a lot of muscle there, but it's tight, and that's not good for now that I'm about to hit thirty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I've noticed it too, going over deadfall and things like that. My hip flexors tighten up, stuff like that. Like I can, I'll be your pack mule, um, but. I'm going to feel it, you know? Yeah, And, and so I, I, I hear you on that one. And I don't feel, I don't think it's a tangent at all to talk about fitness because um, it's, it's key and it doesn't yeah. have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be bodybuilding. It can be jujitsu. Jujitsu is yep. a great one. Um, kettlebells, you know, that's something you can do at home, sandbags, things like that. People underestimate that. Something um, I for didn't rucks. talk
1: about too, was uh, yoga actually as mm-hmm. part of my like recovery routine. And, you know, i from that construction and just being young and dumb and lifting a little too heavy, especially on leg workouts. um, You know, I developed some pretty rough lower back issues where they're just constantly creep up. And uh, yeah, having one of our friends, a yoga instructor. So my wife and I would go to, to classes pretty regularly. And now like there's a couple of stretches that I just know from my body type, I should be doing that every day. And what's great about that is, You know, when it comes to whether, you know, you talked about faith, fitness and, and, you know, bow hunting, everything's a priority, right? Like if it's a priority to you, you'll make time for me, like one of the keys to me being able to get the things that I want to do done is convenience. So the great thing about stretching is there's no excuse for not stretching. Like I can do it while I'm watching TV. I can do it while I'm hanging out with my wife. Like I can, there's, if you can't, you've no time for anything else. Like there's some downtime during the day where you can at least do that active recovery and just do toe touches or, you know, Indian squat, whatever it is, right. To just help your body recover. And for me, that makes a really big difference um, just in recovery time and just overall, like everything that I do, you you need to be moving. And you, you look at those guys that have been doing this for, that are a lot older than we are. Um, the, that's a big part of all of their, their fitness journey now.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. Definitely. And I mean, you gotta be really good at that tree pose if you're up in the, in the tree. Somewhere. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, honestly the, the stretching part, you know, is something that people always mention and it didn't really start hitting me until recently. And I think, you know, kind of similarly to you, like I, I can remember the day when I was overdoing it on deadlifting and I pulled through it and I heard a pop. Right. Yep. And it's bugged me ever since it flares up every once in a while. And, Um, I'm realizing a lot more now recently too, about mobility and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, you can do that while, like, while I'm sitting there reading, I'll just like internally rotate my hips and sit differently just so I get that stretch or that, that mobility, that range of motion a little bit better. And again, I love that you said, and, and kind of what I try and point out as well is that it doesn't have to be complicated. No, Uh, it's very simple, but again, it's not easy to break the habits that you're already in. But if you're sitting there watching Netflix or whatever it is that that people do, I don't have a lot of TV time, but, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm with my kids wrestling or whatever, I try and incorporate some sort of stretching or, uh, you know, body movement or whatever. When I'm when I'm reading, same thing. And and I think it is very much about what are your priorities. Yep. Um, it's OK to say that it's not a priority for you, too. Like Absolutely. No one should ever feel bad about that. But be honest with yourself. Don't sit around saying, oh, I want to lose these 10 pounds. But 10 years later, you still want to lose these 10 pounds. You know, it's just you got to be honest with yourself. So I love that. And I it kind of stands out like anyone that that watches your videos um, or your content. You can kind of tell that you're someone that does some sort of physical training Uh, You just not, you don't like to brag about it, which is fine. Even though they say there's, if it, if it didn't happen in the picture, it didn't happen. Right. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there's, and honestly, that's something that's funny. Bringing that up that like, I've, I've been thinking about trying to at least highlight to like where I've drawn good training things from whether like just pointing people to different resources. Cause I think, um, you know, I kind of take for granted that like there is, there is like, there are a lot of people that are maybe just getting into this that don't realize the physical aspect. And cause everybody, especially archers, we like to talk about our back and our shoulders, but people don't realize how much of your core is engaged when you're shooting, especially like out of a tree stand at angles, you know, trying to track a target at full draw, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's super important, super important. Definitely agree with that. Now, how often have you come out
0: West to go hunting? Or are you mainly a whitetail guy?
1: I'm mainly a whitetail guy, Turkey guy. Um, I'm definitely going to be going out West over the next couple of years. I have too many friends out West at this point that I, I can no longer uh, avoid it, but uh, yeah, I've been, um, you know, as as the, the page and the, the YouTube channel kind of grown, uh, I've thankfully, I've gotten some good opportunities at work where I can take a couple more vacation days. And so I'm going to be working that into uh, some out West trips for sure over the next couple of years. So um, we'll see right now. I've got some friends in uh, Idaho, Montana, Utah. So I'm just going to California. Um, so we'll see what happens, but definitely want to make it out there for A mule deer, if not an elk hunt. Um, Brax is is already working on something as well, so gonna have to meet up with him at some point in the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, he's moving up closer here to me
0: um, here pretty shortly, and uh, I'm excited to I'm excited to have him closer because I haven't I haven't actually gotten to go down and hang out with him. Um, We don't go down that way very much into Saint George, but uh, that that's cool, man. Uh, You know, there's something about whitetail like I haven't gone. And hunted whitetail um more than once. And the one time I went was with a rifle and it felt like shooting lanes. Yeah. And I didn't like that. No, nope. I, I didn't like that there was feed you. here, there was a salt lake there, and there was feed on the other side, and it was like three shooting lanes. I'm like, I can just go to the to the range and do this. Like, this yeah. isn't fun. And so um I used a lot of uh, you know, I used to fish a lot and things like that. But as far as uh whitetail hunting, tell me a little bit more about that. What is it about whitetails that that kind of, that gets you going, keeps you hooked.
1: Well, I think, you know, honestly, it's less about the whitetails and I think it's just as much about just kind of the environment and also like family is a big thing for me. Right. So, um, you know, now that I live out of state from my family, like getting to spend time with my, my dad and my grandfather who got me into hunting, I appreciate those whitetail camps a whole lot more than I probably did in the past. But, um, for me, there's just something, maybe it's nostalgic from growing up, but that that November wind, the way the, the leaves smell, like everything, it just kind of um, I don't know. It just gets me super excited. And as I've gotten older, just understanding the white tail and just seeing seeing hunting as from more of a strategic angle versus like when you're a kid, right. It's all about, you just want to kill it. Now it's like, I I'm, I'm getting more and more uh, appreciative of every single aspect uh, the prep going into the hunt, the harvest, preparing meat. Like one of the coolest things over the last couple of years is getting to hunt with guys from out West, um, from other parts of the country that, and getting to see how they feel dressed and prep their meat different and and how they cook different. And that whole part of hunting, which, you know, has really become like why we do it now, um, or why I do it now is, you know, like I'm, I'm going to be cooking up some venison burgers tonight from a a dough that I, I shot last November. So um for me yeah it's just there's something cool about whitetail and in that and you can do it with not a whole lot of land access is the other cool thing is it's very strategic right it's kind of it's ambush hunting um you know I I like doing it I have a tree stand I've even like to the point where like I've even not gone after certain animals because I would have had to do it from a ground blind and that's just not fun like for me I want to hunt the way that I want to hunt. And I just love doing it out of a tree stand, letting an arrow fly from a tree stand and having that successful thing and being able to watch the animal go down. Like that's everything to me. So I haven't hunted elk out West though yet. So we'll see, we'll see if I still maintain that after that. But yeah, I, I just, um, I really like that, that aspect of it. I mean, where I grew up on Long Island, now white-tailed deer are super invasive to the point where you can bow hunt within 50 feet, of a residential home, which is pretty crazy. So that that's something that, um, over the next couple of years, I'm going to be exploring more too, because that's a whole other, I mean, you're, you're hunting whitetails and you can see people's backyards. Like that's a whole other challenge now, uh, and navigating that. And you have to be really on there because New York's not exactly a, a hunter friendly spot. It is in some areas, but, uh, not everybody. So, but yeah, and I I guess, you know, it's, it's really just a little bit of everything. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And I love that you bring that up too. I've had a lot of conversations with people um, similar to you that just, they're so grassroots and uh, just down to earth people that just enjoy being outside and love it even more so with their family. Um, I, I would agree with you that, you know, I'm hoping to change that for my family a little bit. My, my grandpa is more into fishing Uh, than anything. And I didn't really have people growing up that were into hunting. So I'm hoping to change that for my family and make that a thing, um, out here, out West. And, uh, but man, I, I've heard so many cool stories about, you know, just sharing, you know, some people know that the family members are BSing a little bit and over, you know, this antlers were a lot bigger than they were and they, Oh, I missed this bucket, whatever. But, uh, you know, it, it is, there's something, I don't want to say primal, but basically, yeah, primal. It taps into yep. our inner selves. Um, sitting around a campfire eating meat that you just harvested uh with loved ones. Like it, it doesn't get much better than that, in my opinion. Um, and 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 that's awesome. I, I think that's really cool that you're still going up to New York and, and doing that. Uh, I know out here in certain cities we have um the urban bow hunters or uh basically the deer population gets too big and you can harvest so many does and um, i did just find out that if you harvest a buck they take the antlers i guess that's kind of to discourage yeah it's to discourage people from taking taking bucks i guess but um it it is interesting to to sit there and be able to see people's backyards and and then go you know hunt a deer right out of the backyard it's kind of it's kind of a weird sensation i imagine but uh anyway um, so with that and, and talking about family, does your wife hunt? Now I know you she's got a bow set up, it's the, the PSE Mach one.
1: Yep, yeah. So she's got uh yeah, props to PSE. Um, yeah, they, they uh they set her up with a. Uh, a Mach one and they put some, uh, special cams on there, I guess. So we were able to get that thing down to 24 inch draw and wow. 35 pounds is pulling right now. So she's just getting into archery, I guess, you know, me talking about it enough, uh, is, uh rubbing <laughs> off on her, but actually, no, what what really I think did it for her. And, and I'd love to have her on, um, I'm going to have uh, her on the YouTube channel at some point, but, um, she came with me to a total archery challenge event and actually w- walked the course with me, um and uh cooper cup who is the the individual that i was shooting with and uh that's a cool thing you know i, I always keep in touch with everybody that i've, I've shot tack courses with but um she was like this is so cool and just seeing the people and just the, where we were and shooting and we were doing the park city uh course um was it probably three years ago now you know, she's like this is just a, a special special group of, of people and just a really cool thing. So yeah, so she's got a bow. She's been practicing, and uh, we're we're working on that. She's not a hunter yet. Uh, I don't know that uh, she can hunt more with squirrels than with that setup anyway. <laughs> but uh, but uh, she is. Uh, her dad's a big fisherman, so she grew up uh, down in Fort Lauderdale area. So they were chasing tarpon and things like that. So she's very much accustomed to the whole uh, sea to plate kind of movement. Um, you know, now it's just a little different, but, uh, it's funny, you know, our, our, friends, most of the guys hunt, uh, and a good number of the girls are, uh, are vegetarians, not my wife, but some of the other ones, but they'll eat, you know, the stuff that we bring back because they know just ethically, you know, that it's, it's coming from a, a good place. And, uh, that's something really cool is we'll do like wild game nights and things like that. And my wife, uh, she loves the back straps, uh, you know, she kind of gives me the whole 300 Spartan Leonidas wife, like come back with a full cooler in it sort of deal <laughs> when I leave for a, a hunting trip. So uh, yeah, pressure's on now um, to bring awesome. some back straps back for wife.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, I, uh, I've got a buddy that his wife was like, why did you even go out and hunt and pass up on those deer? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, she knows yeah. I, I've never been accused of being a trophy hunter. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So I, I, I mean, our property growing up, You know, we we didn't have very big deer. We've gotten a lot better about like the management of it now. And so they're starting to grow in size. But uh, yeah, for me, it's uh, it's more about I definitely want to come home with some meat. But also um, I can be convinced into taking a shot if an animal presents me with like what I would consider like a shot that I was looking for you know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes for what, and I don't know where it really comes from, but you know, sometimes I'll just have a shot in my mind that I'm like, I'd love to be able to take that shot. Like last year, I really wanted to like have a a slight quartering two shot, right. For whatever reason, it's just like, that's one that like growing up, that was one that like you'd never take. And I was just feeling super confident. And I knew what my setup could do. And I really wanted to see what it could do. And I I had that opportunity at 35 yards. And so I took an old bruiser of a buck that had broken all of his tines off that ended up being what i shot yeah at our Ohio and i was so happy um the outfitter was like looking at me like i was crazy because he's got monsters on this property but i was stoked because the shot was it went exactly where i wanted it to go the deer reacted exactly how i wanted it to i saw it go down and he was just an old beaten up bruiser and uh yeah i was just super stoked on that same thing with uh with my doe after that and it's uh yeah, meat and meat and the shot more, I think more than anything else.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I get that. Uh, I definitely get that as I'm getting more into it. Um, you know, I'm going, going down to Texas here in next week, actually, whoo, um, to, to go hog hunting and I'm excited to test my setup on some hogs and That'll uh, be I know those, are, yeah, those are pretty tough animals, um, yep. to, to get through. So, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm confident in my setup and my shot. Um, but, I'm excited to see it actually in action. Um, yeah. And yeah. So that, that's definitely a big, a big fun part of it as well with all the tinkering and stuff. So let, let's talk a little bit more. I haven't really uh, had an episode where I delved into a ton about bows, um, it, but I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about this. So tell me about, first of all, what uh, why do you enjoy messing around with your setup now that you've gone from someone who hated touching it after it came out of the shop, perfect, uh, to now where you're constantly changing things up. And definitely I want to talk to you about the, the DCA veins that you've got, um, cause For I've sure. got some coming in the mail as well. <laughs> and, uh, and, but yeah, just tell me a little bit more about that. Why do you like the tinker so much now when you used to hate it? All right. Before we get into that awesome answer by AJ, uh, I want to just announce to you guys officially. I'm going to be doing a giveaway for the hundredth episode. I'm su- I'm surprised it's coming up so fast, uh, but we've got some awesome stuff to give away. We'll be giving away some Alpen Fuel packets. We'll be giving away some Affect Beard Oil. We'll be giving away some CBD chewables, um, if that's something that you're into, and uh, definitely some First Form gear as well. Just amazing sponsors and affiliates of the of the podcast. Uh, that we just want to share their quality products with you. So definitely for that giveaway, go in, follow, or subscribe, whatever it is, uh, depending on the platform that you use for the podcast that you listen to. Uh, Follow, subscribe, send me a screenshot of that. And then also send me a screenshot of your review in the email down below. If you've already done both of those things, send me the screenshot again anyway, uh, just so that I can get you entered into the giveaway for the 100th uh, episode. I'm so stoked that we're already coming up on that. It's been crazy. It's been an awesome year so far. It hasn't quite even been a year. Had some great guests and have some even more to come. So thanks again for your support. And let's get back to the conversation
1: with AJ. I, I mean, so for me, like you talk about sports growing up, I was always a tinkerer. I, I played lacrosse. I was the guy that strung everybody's stick on the team, right? Like I always wanted something custom, like whether it was even if it was just a decal. So for me, the, the first couple of years hunting, it was just out of not knowing, right? So I was just dependent on bow shops just because I didn't know any better. And especially get, just being when I was in college or just coming out of college, I didn't have the money to get a press and everything else. I barely had enough money for arrows. So it was really a financial resource thing that kind of hamstrung me from really diving into it deep. But as soon as I had a little jangle in my pocket and could invest in some supplies and some, some tools uh, you know, I, I decided like my dad always taught me like, take responsibility for your tools and equipment. Why would I not do that for bow hunting? If I only have a certain amount of time, why would I not want to make sure that I know that thing inside and out? And I still do that to them to that this day. I mean, my brand new bow, I actually blew it up like first two weeks because I was screwing with it so much and I did something stupid and I somehow managed to screw things up and PSE, thank you for uh, sending me new O rings. Everything worked out. The bow survived, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I cut a you know I cut a cable on just because I knew I was going to be setting up bows for um, I work with a, a, a nonprofit, Noden's Outdoors, and they're um, setting up uh, eight special operations vets with bows, and I knew I was going to be setting up their bows, and I wanted to make sure I knew that platform inside and out. So I, I literally took everything on my bow apart, put it back together three, four different ways, um, and uh, but now. I mean, if you were to cut all the strings off my bow and tell me I'm going hunting tomorrow, as long as I have the parts to replace it, I'll be confident in that setup within an hour or two. And having that confidence is just for me, that's so important because like I said, I don't get as much time in the field as some people do. So I'm learning stuff when I'm out there, just seeing how the animals move and things like that. So if I don't have to worry about my shooting and my setup and my gear, I can just focus on hunting and I'm just a better hunter.
0: Oh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I, I hope to one day get to this point where, um, you know, I've got a press and I can do everything in, in-house. Um, I'd love to be able to do that. I've got a great shop that I work with here in Utah, um, Wild Arrow Archery, and they, yep. they're awesome. They take me back and they've been teaching me a few things. They've helped me set up my own bows um, and let me be a little more hands-on uh, up there as well. They're, they're great guys, but I do eventually want to be able to have that here in-house as well. Because I've got a friend that does, um, you know, loads of ammo, stuff like that uh, for rifles and, and pistols. And I always thought that was cool. But for some reason, this has my interest even more. I don't know if it's because I can shoot in my backyard. I can shoot wherever I want, you know, but for sure. um, I, I love messing around with bows and, and every chance that I get, you know, like right now for me, it's only being able to fletch my bows and, and, or fletch my arrows, sorry. And, uh, and do things like that. I can't really do much else as far as customization. Um, but tell me, tell me a little bit more about that too, with, uh, you know, with, with the fletchings there, you've got the, the DCA fletchings there behind your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how have those gone? Right, how long have you is- been messing around with those? Yeah.
1: So Kyle sent me these to test out. Uh, I want to say maybe two months ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, so for those of you listening, I'm, I'm holding a, a an arrow with three fletched DCA um, super saber veins, and I think you know for anybody looking to get into messing with their own setups, I would definitely say uh, building your own arrows would definitely be the perfect gateway drug. Specifically, doing your own veins because veins wraps those are cheap items relatively speaking for you to get interested in and you can have a drastic impact on your setup's performance just with that so and it gives you the opportunity to touch and customize it and there's something special about taking an animal and recovering that arrow that you built it's just really cool and to this you know now send, helping friends with their setups like seeing them succeed with arrows that I've built and stuff is just super cool. So I'd highly encourage everybody to do it. You can get, you know, I I still use just a Bitsenberger jig, right? Helical clamp. Um, I would recommend a helical clamp because it just gives you better purchase on uh, the shafts, regardless of size of the the shaft. Um, But yeah, these, these DCA veins, my new favorite vein, I've known Kyle for a long time. We started our pages around the same time and we just through the algorithm somehow became internet friends uh, and then we met at a couple of ATA shows and we've kept in touch and we've become friends uh, over the years. So it's really cool to see his company grow. And when he sent me these to test, I was so psyched just to, to see something that he had created. Um, but based on what he had, he had sent me and knowing how uncompromising he is about things, Uh, he did not disappoint at all. I mean, one, these things look stellar, but for those that have messed with veins before, um, two of the, the more popular veins on the market, I've actually got some right here. Um, these are the max hunters from AAE and then the max stealth, which is what you see a lot of guys running is just a lower profile, longer vein. Um, AAE makes a phenomenal vein. The, the max hunter, uh, these were popular a couple of years ago, uh, especially when people were running more fixed, fixed blade heads. Because they're a bigger vein, uh, they do they correct really well, they fly really well. The one downside is they're loud. The max stealths, which is what a lot of people have transitioned to, um, you know, you've seen more and more people running those in a four-fletch. Reason being they don't steer as well as those max hunters do. So with the super sabers, the, the best way I could describe them is it's kind of the controllability of the max hunter or like a blazer profile vein with the quietness of that max stealth. So it really gives you the best of all worlds in my opinion. And I can run them in a three-fletch, whereas before I was running a four-fletch and 25% uh, less veins when you're fletching hundreds of arrows every year, uh, or even if you're only doing a dozen of your own or two dozen of your own, it makes a difference and it saves you some time. So um, no, I'm I'm super impressed with these. I'm running them with a two and a half degree helical, which is what I typically run my veins at. And that's what Kyle recommends anyway. and the, the reason, you know, people, uh, for people that are maybe newer to th- some of this stuff, the difference in these veins, um, it really shows itself at those longer distances. So you can get, you can run a, a high drag four-fletch vein and be awesome for hunting distances, say, especially on the East coast, say 40 yards in end, right? The thing is the, the more service area you add, the more forgiveness it adds, but you're also robbing efficiency. So for Western hunters, that's more that becomes more important because if you don't have that efficiency, your arrow is going to start parachuting and lose stability and is going to drop a lot faster than an efficient uh, an efficiently veined arrow. Um, and I know veined is probably not the technical term, but um, so that's something that Kyle really took into consideration. These things don't look like a stealth fighter wing by accident, right? The the design was inspired by that. But the reason fighter jets look, their wings look the way they do is because that's the best mixture of efficiency and controllability, right? Granted, that's a, got a jet on the back, not a string, but uh, same <laughs> principle.
0: Right. Yeah. So I'm currently running, these are the ones that I've found work the best the for me is the bony yep. heats at a true helical. Yep. I don't know what degree a true helical is. Um,
1: do you, you probably know. So the the thing with true uh, I assume what they mean by true helical is so the the helical that uh use, right? Most people refer to like the helical clamp or the straight clamp. It's not really a helical. So a helical means it actually twists around. The helical mm-hmm. clamp, it's actually a straight angle. It just wraps around the, the arrow. So it's not a true helical. So when they say when you hear mm-hmm. true helical, it means that there's actually a helical uh offset being added to the vein, right. not just a straight offset that wraps around the arrow. Um, so but those I use the, veins,
0: the Arizona easy fletch. Yep. Yep. That's what I use.
1: Yep. Yeah. The, uh, the, and the heat veins are good. So I, I ran before the sabers, I was running uh four fletch Easton bully veins. So those were the heat material in a blazer profile. Um, and I liked those a lot again, four fletch Uh, the reason I ran that was because it was very forgiving for me. I'm screwing with a lot of different setups. So having that extra forgiveness, I knew I was sacrificing efficiency Mm -hmm. and some yardage, um, which kind of stunk attack events, but um, I knew I could screw any quality broadhead on there. And it was going to hit with my field points or it should hit with my field points. But again, the reason it was doing that was because I was adding basically a parachute to the back of the arrow. Mm -hmm. So it made everything look like it was flying great gotcha.
0: Cool. Yeah, I'm super stoked to try these out. I've I've, I've got some on order so uh, as soon as I get those in I'm going to be testing them out. I'm running a, a a new arrow this year that I'm I'm trying out um the Valkyrie setup. Okay. I don't know if yep. you've heard much about the Valkyrie. I have. I don't know if I would use them on whitetail because they are so beefy. I mean, you can, right? Yeah. But it's an expensive arrow for for whitetail, I mean, like, yeah. it's it's very top heavy or front heavy.
1: Yeah, I tend to like a medium weight setup. So like I'll, I'll usually run around 150 grains total up front mm. um, with a uh, total hour rate, weight around like 450 grains. Because um, again, yeah, I like just kind of having a decent laser beam going at the, at the deer and as quiet as possible. So, and that's just, for me, that's what I have the most confidence in. I, I know it's not, you know, penetration wise, FOC is the big craze right now um but for me i can just set up a 450 grain arrow and have it efficient and as accurate as i need it to be and to do everything i need it to do especially with a good broadhead on there but yeah the the valkyrie setups i mean their components are solid their broadheads are awesome um you know they've they've had a lot of proven success
0: yeah it's just definitely heavy i uh, i generally run between the 440 and the 460 yep. grains with about 150 to 175 up front yep um and then this 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 set of arrows that I have is, uh, almost 500 grains and it's 200 up front. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm loving it so far. I'm, I'm loving the way it's flying and everything. So, uh, but anyway, kind of went down the, the gear rabbit hole there for a minute. Um, so easy to do. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it's funny cause my, my friends now they're, you know, with archery stuff, uh, the ones that actually got me into archery are now asking me, they're like, Hey, what do you recommend for, <laughs> for yeah. this and that? Like, cause I just love it so much. Um, but cool, man. So what, what else about bow? I mean, about tinkering with your, your bows. Cause it, actually, sorry, before I ask that question, I wanted to bring something up that you mentioned as well, um, about how you take control of everything that you can control because you have a limited amount of time in the woods. Um, and I know a lot of people out there don't have a ton of time. I don't have a ton of time um, out there in the woods. And so I kind of taken that same approach. And again, going back to people like you that I've been kind of drawn to on social media with your approach to things is that you take control of what you can. And what you can control is your bow setup, your arrow setup. You're practicing, you know, you're making sure that you know that arrow is going to hit where it's going to hit. You know your stuff's tightened down. You know your sight tapes on. And the moment you're out in the woods, you're not sitting there thinking, oh crap, did I bump something in my sight? Did I bump this? Is, is this right? Are my are my veins, you know, tight on the arrow? Are they flimsy? Like you're not thinking about that. You're able to focus on the animal, which is something you can't control. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that again because you brought that up. I know we kind of we you continue to talk after that, but I want people to catch that because and that applies to life in general, but especially with bow hunting, there's so many things that can go wrong. You know, O-rings, screws, Loctite went bad, whatever, you know, is going on with your bow. If you don't make sure you control that when you get out in the woods, I mean, I just had a buddy this last year that missed an 18 yard shot on an elk because his sight wasn't tight because he had been messing around with it, didn't put Loctite back on it or whatever, didn't tighten it down the way it needed to be. And he was off at 18 yards. I mean, that's a chip shot for most what you would think is a chip shot. And, and that, I mean, he never punched his tag after that because his, his sight was off. And so, um, you know, you just have to make sure you're dialed in on that. But, uh, I, I just wanted to ask, you know, from, from your perspective, um, what would be if, if you had to suggest, I guess, to a new bow hunter or someone wanting to get into bow hunting, uh, what would be the first, I guess, the first thing that you would recommend that they do?
1: I would honestly say, uh, do your homework. So I, I would point them towards, uh, you know, Dudley's got some great archery 101 videos. I think he just redid a whole bunch of series. Um, You know, archery's a, an endless adventure, right? However deep you want to go, you, your knowledge—it's a bottomless pit, right? But I think starting out with some sort of education and not just winging it will help shorten that learning curve a lot. As somebody who you know grew up just off of advice of people around me. And then thankfully later social media came along and we were able to get some, you know, expert, uh, opinions and, and content. And now the content is actually even better. Uh, it used to just be kind of like phone videos. Um, but I would say, yeah, do, do your research on that, you know, write down questions and, uh, because you're going to, you're going to learn stuff, forget stuff, and then it'll click again later, right? That's just natural learning with everything. So, um, something that helped me when I was really getting into like working on my own setups was I actually kept like a shooting log, you know, what I was shooting that day, what was something that I wanted to work on? What were some takeaways? What was something that was, was frustrating me? Like, you know, just the date, time, general environment stuff, whatever you want to write down, but, you know, reflect on that. Cause I'll find, uh. I'll find now where like, I'll, I'll, kind of go down a rabbit hole, like trying something new. And then I go back to something and then I'll, now I can look at Instagram and be like, Oh, I've ran basically the same setup last year with a different bow or a different hour, or whatever it is, you know? So it's, um, I, I would say do that. I think that'll make it, um, that'll make it easier. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have a good shop around you spend time at that shop, spend time at that range, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, try and try and network and, and if you don't have, you know, people around you that you can feed off of, maybe look for those and social media is great for that. You can usually reach out to, um, to even bigger name people and get some sort of response. Um, you know, if something's really giving you a hard time. So, um, I think that was like three different things, but, uh, yeah, if you do that, you know, and and revisit those things, I think it'll really help you out and shorten that learning curve.
0: No, definitely. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, you can, you can tell the people again, going back to the people that can, or that do try and sell you things versus yeah. the people that genuinely want you to be better. Um, and, and that's something that, that does take a little bit of time. Um, yep. you're not going to be an overnight success with archery, but, so you're saying you don't have to go out and buy the newest bow, the best stabilizers and all this other the highest priced arrows per dozen. You don't have to buy all that new all that new fancy stuff to get started, right?
1: No, I would start with whatever you have, right? And I think start with whatever you have and identify that's why I think the the shooting journal is helpful. Identify where those deficiencies are. Sometimes it may be if you had a better release, your game would elevate. Right. But sometimes it's your form just sucks and it needs to get better. Right. But there definitely is like people that say gear doesn't matter. That's not true. But pretending like gear is the end all be all also isn't true. Right. Like I've talked friends out of buying new bows. I just had a buddy who was trying to sell his bow and then I found out what it was. And it was a Matthew Z8. And I'm like, dude, or Z7. I was like, dude, everybody who's owned that bow has regretted selling it. You're just getting back into this. Let's save that money. Like, let's get you some new, more like updated accessories and keep shooting that bow until you figure out exactly where you're at and what you like. Um, because yeah. I think that's the most important thing.
0: No, definitely. I I agree with that a hundred percent. It's uh, and then on top of that, you know, like you said, find someone knowledgeable, find yeah. a good bow shop, um, you know, and, and, and the way you can tell they're a good bow shop is they're willing to talk to you. They're not just trying to tell you to buy the highest price. Like they'll ask you what your budget is. They'll yep. ask you what your experience is um, and, and, and things along those lines are some ways that you can find a good a good shop and, and people that actually have your best interest at heart rather sure. than their their wallets. So, um, you know, things like that are it was key for me, you know, and it has yeah. been in my journey um, and then reaching out to people. I had quite a few people that I've reached out to on social media that they just they I'd send them a video of me shooting. And I'd get three or four different opinions on it. And I'd mesh the, you know, the four opinions to you know there's truth in everyone's opinion. Right. And so, um, you know, going from the experts and, and applying that and it's, it's helped me a ton. Um, and so, yeah, I would definitely say it's, it's not, it may seem overwhelming at first, especially if you don't even have a bow. Um, but definitely don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to look dumb. Uh, because again, any, any shop or someone that, you know, mentor that's worth their salt, isn't going to laugh at you for asking what a D loop is, you know? Yep. Um, it's just, it, it's just something that comes along. Cause there's so many things you can talk about cable strings, D loops, peep sites, uh, you know, arrow weight, FOC, all this stuff you're going to hear when you walk into a bow shop. Um, just ask the question, you know? Yeah. And so, so I, I definitely appreciate that a ton. Um, where can people find you if they're interested in your awesome pictures and videography and all that other stuff
1: Yeah so Knights of the Apex that's Knights with a K on uh, Instagram and YouTube and we have a website where we've got a couple little pieces of gear that like are just things that I always wanted for my own little bow shop so uh, we sell those um, we sell those on there as well and then actually uh, Braxton and I are gonna be kicking up uh, a gear centric uh podcast um it's called uh bow nerds so space bow space nerds so you gotta be careful not to say that too fast or google it but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah don't don't mess up the spelling on that one when you google it but uh yeah we're uh we're in the process of uh of um you know putting some content together for that um because both he and i have very similar um youtube channels i think um you know, people that follow us probably recognize that. And honestly, like to your point about, uh, brands and things like that, you know, for, for me, there's certain content that I like making, but the educational component is super important to me. So, um, having that podcast will be a good opportunity for us to get some of that out faster. Whereas, uh, you know, you know how long it takes to put a video together. It's just uh, not as conducive as a conversation like this. So, um, so, yeah, so that'll be something we're working on in the future. Not to plug uh, our podcast on your podcast. But. Oh, no, man. I was going to. I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the more people that you can network with and, and talk to like this is super important. Um, and uh, it's it's always it's even more fun. When we can meet each other at events and tack events or run into each other at the airport and, and uh, handshake uh, our Internet friends.
0: Definitely. No, I agree. And, yeah, I, I'm excited about that podcast, too, because that. That definitely taps into something that I, I love, just messing around with uh, different bow stuff. So, uh, you know, Braxton was awesome to chat with when I had him on the podcast. And it's been awesome chatting with you. But I, I did want to ask one last question to wrap it up. Um, why nights? I know you kind of brought that up at one point, but why why multiple
1: so, yeah, well, Knights of the Apex. Again, I didn't want to be the face of it. So, I, I kind of created this brand, I guess. Uh, and it's always flattering when people are like, oh, I love you guys. And it's like, it's just me. Uh, it's just there's only one guy doing this. So, I'm glad I'm putting out so much stuff that people think it's multiple people. Um, but no, Knights. So I, you know, I kind of, I, I see hunters as y- human beings We're we occupy a unique space on this planet, right? We're the apex predator, we're at the top of the food chain, but we're not only the predators, we're also tasked with protecting those animals. So we're kind of like knights, right? We can, we can bring violence, but we're also protectors, right? Um, at the apex of, of this world that we're living in. So that, and uh, you know, I graduated from the university of central Florida, so go Knights, um, so I've tried to incorporate that in there somewhere and it, it just kind of fit. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm definitely excited for, for the podcast and, uh,
1: are you coming out to TAC in Utah or are you going to a different one this year? So I, uh, my, the wife and I just canceled the trip. So trying to figure out what the schedule is going to be, but, uh, cause we were supposed to do a, a little vacation that, that got postponed. So I'm going to try and make it out to, to another two TAC events, but I'm not sure which ones yet. So. Um, park city would be great i'd love to be back there but uh not quite sure just yet cool well if you make it out i'd be
0: looking forward to seeing you out there and uh i'll be out there two or three days um but awesome well thanks again for your time and and guys go check them out i'll leave the links down below so you don't have to memorize them uh and so you can spell bow nerds right um (laughs) and uh i'll leave those links down in the description below and uh you guys hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.